Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Here's the gist of it. That Satan takes captive Christians. Not, not, I'm talking, I'm not talking about demon possession. A Christian cannot be demon possessed. A Christian can be demonically oppressed, not possessed, oppressed. And there's a huge difference. Satan can take captive a Christian to do his bidding against another Christian. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. We must understand that fellow Christians can come under the oppression of the enemy. As such, when we're in our hardships, we must test the words of our fellow Christians' advice with God's word. Pastor J.D. reminds us that regularly speaking with Jesus and being in his word is how we can know if others are speaking truth to us. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapter 8 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 12, while it is yet green and not cut down, it withers before any plant. So are the paths, verse 13, of all who forget God, and the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. Verse 13, he, Bildad basically says this to Job about Job. You've completely forgotten God, and you're a hypocrite, and you're going to perish. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for pointing out that I'm I'm completely away from God. I've forgotten God. I'm a hypocrite. I'm going to perish. Verse 14, whose confidence shall be cut off and whose trust is a spider's web. He leans on his house, but it does not stand. He holds it fast, but it does not endure. He grows green in the sun and his branches spread out in his garden. His roots wrap around the rock heap and Look for a place in the stones. If he is destroyed from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I have not seen you. Behold, verse 19, this is the joy of his way, and out of the earth others will grow. Behold, God will not cast away the blameless, nor will he uphold the evildoers. He's saying the same thing in a different way. In other words, you're an evildoer, Job. And you're not blameless, Job. If you were blameless, then God would not cast you away. If you weren't an evildoer, God would uphold you. He's doing neither. So that means that you're not blameless and you are an evildoer. Verse 21, He will yet fill your mouth with laughing and your lips with rejoicing. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked will come to nothing. If you repent, if you seek God, if you return to God, if you confess your sin and you seek the Lord, then this can all stop. Can I just say that I don't like this guy? I just said it. I really don't like this guy. To me... 
And bear with me on this. To me, he represents the worst kind of Christian. One has called such a Christian a well-intentioned dragon. I mean, this represents the worst. And, And by the way, let me say it this way. This is the worst advertising for Christianity. This is why Christianity has a black eye, so to speak, in the eyes of the world. It's because of the Bildads of this world. Think about this. (laughs) He's taking it upon himself to bluntly and even vehemently rebuke Job in his spiritual pride and arrogance. And by the way, when I say spiritual pride, there's pride and there's spiritual pride. And spiritual pride is the most satanic. And that's the source. You know the first sin, it wasn't in the garden. The first sin was in heaven. And the first sin was pride. And pride is at the center and the core of all sin. One has aptly noted that I, the letter I, is right smack in the middle of the word sin. It's right smack in the middle of the word pride. I, I, I'm going to tell you a thing or two. I am going to rebuke you. I know what's going on with you. I will take it upon myself to speak for God to you. That's pride. That's spiritual pride. Not only does Bildad falsely accuse and unlovingly rebuke Job, he even has the audacity to badger Job. He is so tenacious. He's badgering Job, just repeatedly coming in from all these different angles. You need to get right with God. You have sin in your life before God. You have sinned against God. This is why God is doing this to you. You're guilty. Chapter 9. How are we doing? What time is it? We're fine. You may not get all the way to chapter 11, but we'll, we'll do our best. I don't know if we can take any more of this. But <laughs> that's why I asked how you're doing. No, how you're really doing. You doing okay? You all right? Nobody's left yet. Don't leave. We're, we'll get through this. Chapter 9. Now Job's going to respond. Verse 1. <laughs> then Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, He could not answer him one time out of a thousand. I love this. This this speaks to the character, the godly character, and the righteousness of this man, Job. What Job doesn't do is he doesn't come back at Bildad and just get up in his grill. I would have. Oh, man. I would have had some very choice words for this ugly man that's supposedly supposed to be a friend. I mean, Job hasn't sinned. I think it was one one commentator basically brought this up, and it kind of makes sense to me. Uh, Job is suffering 
physical pain and torment, just physically. He's suffering the psychological torment. I mean, just, can you imagine trying to get your mind around this? And, you know, the mental torment, the physical torment, but that does not even come close to the spiritual torment. He is being tormented spiritually. Again, he he has believed now that God is against him. God has it out for him. That's not just a crisis of faith. (laughs) That's pretty serious. That's pretty intense. And then for his friends to just pile on and say, yeah, God does have, have it out for you, and we know why. And you need to fess up. And you need to come clean. If I'm Job, and I just got done listening to what Bildad just said, especially about my sons. Keep in mind, he says, your sons sinned, and that's why God killed them. Remember now, we were told in chapter 1 that Job would actually offer sacrifices for his sons. And this is pre-law. In other words, for Job to hear that, He knows that sacrifices have been made, offerings have been offered up to the Lord for his sons. So that can't be true. But let me, let me, um, ah, I, I probably shouldn't, but I will, but I really need to be able to, <laughs> this is a gift, right? I want to be able to expound on what I'm about to say because I think it needs an explanation. I'll do my best, so bear with me. Satan can speak through so-called friends to do what a Bildad does here to Job. Okay? What do we know to be true about Satan? He's the author of confusion, the father of lies, and the accuser of the brethren. Paul writing to Timothy, it's in um, his second epistle. I, I, I can't give you a chapter and verse off the top of my head. But basically, here's the gist of it. That Satan takes captive Christians. Not, not I'm, talking, I'm not talking about demon possession. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed. A Christian can be demonically oppressed, not possessed, Oppress, and there's a huge difference. Satan can take captive a Christian to do his bidding against another Christian. And I, I say that in the context of a Bildad to a Job. Satan can use the Bildads in our lives. And Job's discerning, and I think we need to be discerning. And the markers, the the telltale sign, the litmus test is, is it riddled with the big three, let's call them, lies, accusation, and confusion. If there's accusation, it's not the Lord. If there's condemnation, it's not the Lord. If there's confusion, it's not the Lord. And if there's not truth, it's not the Lord. And that's how you know the spirit of it, the spirit behind it. Uh, Let's leave it there. But that's what's happening here. Verse 4, God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. 
who has hardened himself against him and prospered. In other words, you're not going to get away with that. What you're accusing me of doing, like God's going to let me get away with that? I mean, you're painting me out. I love uh, something my pastor said many years ago. Um, It was uh, at a time when we were being accused of all kinds of things. And he said, come on, man, nobody's that bad. Nobody's that bad. And that's what Job's saying. Come on, (laughs) nobody's that bad. You think God's going to let anybody get away with that? Who has hardened himself against him and prospered? Verse 5, he removes the mountains, and they do not know when he overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth out of its place, and its pillars tremble. He commands the sun, and it does not rise. He seals off the stars. He alone spreads out the heavens, and treads on the waves of the sea. He made the bear, Orion, and the plaids, and the chambers of the south. He does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without number. If he goes by me, I do not see him. If he moves past, I do not perceive him. If he takes away, who can hinder him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God, verse 13, will not withdraw his anger. The allies of the proud lie prostrate beneath him. Verse 14, how then can I answer him and choose my words to reason with him? For though I were righteous, I could not answer him. I would beg mercy of my judge. If I called and he answered me, I would not believe that he was listening to my voice. For he crushes me with a tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not allow me to catch my breath, but fills me with bitterness. If it is a matter of strength, indeed, he is strong. And if of justice, who will appoint my day in court? Though I were righteous, my own mouth would condemn me. Though I were blameless, it would prove me perverse. I am blameless, verse 21, yet I do not know myself. I despise my life." This is interesting. You know what Job is saying here? He says, even if I tried to plead my case, I could not stand in righteousness before a righteous God. My own words in defending myself would condemn me. And this is actually in Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah. Chapter uh, verse 22. It is all one thing, therefore I say, he destroys the blameless and the wicked. If the scourge slays suddenly, he laughs at the plight of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the face of its judges. If it is not he, who else could it be? Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. In other words, again, the brevity of life. They pass by, verse 26, like a swift ship, like an eagle swooping on its prey. If I say, I will forget my complaint, I will put off my sad face and wear a smile. (laughs) I am afraid of all my sufferings. I know that you will not hold me innocent. If I am condemned, why then do I labor in vain? 
If I wash myself with snow water, which the thought here is, is that water from melted snow is the purest and the cleanest of water. And cleanse my hands with soap, yet you will plunge me into the pit, and my own clothes will abhor me, for he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, and that we should go to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us. Ah, hang on to that. Who may lay his hand on us both? Let him take his rod away from me, and do not let dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. You know what's going on here? This is, this is really interesting for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is Job is so exasperated, so frustrated. He has just come to this place where he realizes, I need a mediator. I cannot stand before the righteous judge of all the universe. What is my life? What is man? And who am I? that God is even mindful of me. I cannot even be on the same level playing field, if you prefer, the same courtroom with this righteous judge. Even if I open my mouth to even defend myself in my own defense, my very words would condemn me before the righteousness of this holy God. Ah, God's got him right where he needs him, and right where he needs to be. You know where that place is? That's the place where every single one of us need to come to. It's that place where we realize that we are condemned before a pure and righteous and holy God, and we need a mediator. And you know who the mediator is? The mediator is Jesus the Christ. Uh, let me uh, close with Oswald Chambers in his commentary on the book of Job titled Baffled to Fight Better, and we won't uh, do chapters 10 and 11 tonight, unless you want to. We can, um, nah, that's okay, we won't. So um, listen to what uh, Chambers has to say. He said, Job is giving expression to a new conception of God. His hope is that an umpire will arise who will not only justify God, but also justify Him. Think about that. Think about that that way, from that perspective. Um, it's like God's on trial here a little bit too, right? And this mediator is going to bring about a just verdict if you will. Both are going to be vindicated vis-a-vis this umpire, as Chambers calls him, this mediator, as Job says. Listen to what he says. It was grief that brought Job to this place, and grief is the only thing that will. Joy does not, neither does prosperity, but grief does. The great factor In the life of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of the world is this very thing. 
Once grief touches a man, he is full of reaction. He says spiteful things because he is hurt. But in the end, grief leads a man to the right point of view. As long as I am happy and things go well, I say what a famous philosopher said. This is the best of all possible worlds. It plainly is not. And the Bible reveals why it is not. The world as God originally designed it was the best of all possible worlds. But it has now become the worst of all possible worlds. In fact, the Bible reveals that it could not be any worse than it is. Individual men who take the wrong line get worse, but the world itself cannot get worse. Grief brings a man to see this more quickly than anything else, and he longs for an umpire who will hold the scales. Ah, we all have to come to this place. This is why at the end of the prophecy updates, I always present what's known as the ABCs of salvation, where we must come to that place where we acknowledge our sin, our unrighteousness before a righteous God, and it's grief. Grief is the instrument in the hands of a loving God that brings us to that place as only it can. And if you really think about it, is it not during difficulty, during times of trouble and sorrow that we come to that place? When things are going good, it's the furthest thing from our mind. But when adversity strikes, when grief hits, that's when we come to that place and we realize our our true condition, the brevity of our lives, the reality of our lives, the sinfulness of our lives. And in acknowledging that, in confessing that, what we're saying is, I need a Savior. I need a mediator. A Savior between me and God to reconcile me back to God. And grief is that needful, though very hurtful thing that comes to bring it about. It takes grief. It takes sorrow. It takes pain. And then we cry out for the Advocate, who, as Chambers says, will hold the scales and bring about this reconciliation, this just verdict, as only He can. Thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from the book of Job has blessed you and given you hope in the midst of your own life struggles. If you'd like to hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. There you'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Are you a part of a church family? The Bible urges us to find fellowship with other believers, not only for purposes of community, but also for the health of your own personal spiritual walk. You too can contribute valuable and unique gifts to the body of Christ, giving support in the ways God has designed you to. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd be thrilled to welcome you to our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. 
Our weekly services are on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. We focus on studying God's Word and worshiping our Creator, all while getting to know each other better through Christ's love. Location information and directions can be found by going to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. We're excited to share this time with you in person, and we're so glad you spent time with us here today on In Spirit and Truth. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word and follow His path for your life. Pastor J.D. will have more to share from the book of Job when you tune in next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 